From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening to us, whether it's your morning, your afternoon, or your evening. The fact that you have taken time to put us in your ears, we really appreciate that. Uh, We are a podcast that talks about missions and culture and healthy church. And today, you might be hearing my voice and being like, wow, Scott's voice has really changed. It has not. I am Emily Armstrong. If you're used to hearing Scott's voice, that means you're a faithful, worthless servant. Um, However, if you are not used to hearing mine, you've missed a couple of my best episodes. So I'm going to tell you to go back and find some of these other episodes. But today we are going to continue on with what we've been thinking about. You might know that we do this every couple weeks. And today we want to hear from Natalie and Scott and what they're thinking. And I think I'm going to start with Scott today because I feel like I always leave you to the end. So I'm going to prioritize you okay. today, Scott. What have you been thinking about? Sounds good. We haven't introduced everybody. Oh, we haven't. No, but that's okay. We should introduce ourselves. Yes, I'm Scott Armstrong. <laughs> and to my left, Natalie Franco. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us from Barbados on our Zoom line is our friend, Dario Richards. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a pause. It's just, you know, it's it has to go through the, you know, all the way to Barbados, across right. the ocean. So, Emily, yeah, now that we've we've done all the, the necessary introductions and everything. The housekeeping of the podcast. Yes. What, what I have been mulling over in my brain, and this is so dangerous, right? There was somebody, I don't follow him, but I started to see this uh, on Twitter. And he is a leader, a business leader. And he said, had a great call today with my business advisor. Now we would call that maybe in Christian church, a a, a mentor or or something like that. He said he was pressing upon me that I needed to figure out. And this is the part that I want, that I really want to see if we have discussion on. Do I want to build a cruise ship, a yacht, a speedboat, a sailboat, or a kayak in my business? Okay, let me say that again. Do I want to build a cruise ship, a yacht, a speedboat, a sailboat, or a kayak in my business? In other words, do I want a large, complex organization, or do I want a lean and simple, fluid organization? So this has been on my mind. And before I kind of share some of my thoughts, I'd actually like to ask all of you, let's not think the big institutional level, okay? I have much, I have, I have many thoughts on, on the church globally and us as an institution in the, in the Church of the Nazarene, perhaps. But on a local church level, do you guys, like, if you just think about how we respond to, to, to needs in our community and how we uh, are able to train leaders, and um, is that more like a kayak or a sailboat or a speedboat uh, that can change pretty easily, quickly? Or is that more like a cruise ship or a yacht that it takes us so many times? There's so many approvals that need to be met. There's so many um, I need to check with this and we need to make sure that this is okay. And, you know, what would, what would you say? Let, let's start with Natalie first. Um, all of these are, are good and serve their purpose, you know, but f- speaking of your local church, oh, well. what comes to mind? Oh, well, <laughs> well, what I've seen is most of the time we are like a big, sometimes like a huge ship. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a long, long time to to turn the ship if yeah. you want to do something. Um, and the, inter- the interesting part, it's like, 
it is not because of approval, like because the board we comes together, we approve something, but for some reason, it takes a long time mm. to see those changes. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's not because of the approvals, but because of everybody is in its teamwork. Mm. And so the church, I, like I don't doing their own thing. Yeah, and so I don't see the church getting involved in everything. Just a couple of people. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you so you would actually say this is interesting. So so you would say the institution or like we're set up to be a speedboat maybe um, and to respond to those needs, but everyone's in their own speedboat. Exactly. Every everyone's just kind of going off in in different directions, and it and, and that's not impacting in the way that it potentially could. It is, yes, that, like that. Interesting. So, Dario, uh, man, I totally respect you as a leader and, um, and just I'm interested to, think, to hear what you think about this. On a local church level or even on other levels, what have you seen? Are we more kayak? Are we more lean and simple? Or are we more like yacht or cruise ship? Yeah, on, the, on, the <laughs> on our local level, Man, I think in many cases, we are incredibly complex. And I, you know, I was having a conversation with my DS when I transitioned out of, of my own pastor in a local church. And I can't remember if it was my DS or somebody else. And we were just talking about sometimes church can become so complex that there's a huge percentage of activity that takes place that really makes no contribution, you know, mm -hmm. to eternity. You know, like 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 wow. if if we if we effectively evaluate what we're doing, like then we realize that just to some of these complications, we can remove a huge percentage of it and become a a much more pure expression of what I believe Jesus, you know, requires of us. I remember I have a friend. He always says, and I hope this translates well across the listeners, he, he says, and I think he got it from a book as well, that some of the biggest challenges we face in church are budgets, buildings, and big shots. Big budgets, shots. buildings, hmm. and big shots. And it's so true, you know. <laughs> like, sometimes we can make it so complex, so hmm. complicated mm -hmm. um, to engage in effective biblical ministry just because of all the trimmings that are added on and it hinders growth, it hinders uh, movement, it hinders our impact in some ways, in many ways. But on the flip side, I think especially after the pandemic, I think that was the, the trigger for many um, churches. I think the pandemic revealed to a lot of church leaders Uh, how complicated and complex we had made church and ministry. And a lot of persons began to pivot towards, you know, a simpler, faster, more organic, um, uh, more, uh, and with that, even with more debt uh, type of ministry um, that can multiply. So, so yeah. So I think we, we have historically been complex, but I think the pandemic in many ways for many persons triggered a switch because mm. it kind of exposed where uh, some of the struggles and challenges you were facing were because of that complexity and um, moving into a better structure that is more adding, more contributing to, to being what Jesus really requires of us. 
Yeah. That, that's good. I'm thinking, Emily, even in our local church, there are times where our pastor just announces, hey, we're going to do this outreach in the community. And, and like, <laughs> I... I guess the way I was, I was brought up is it, it, it is more yacht and, and cruise ship. Like I, I initially, I think sometimes when he announces that, Hey, this coming week, we're just doing this. I think, did he go to the board about that? You know what I mean? Like, like and, and then I also start to think, what am I talking about? Like, this is a good thing to do. Like there now, again, I'm not saying that the board is a bad thing or that, and I still think probably as leaders, we need to go to the board to get buy-in to really talk through this stuff. But there are times I think yeah. interesting, Dario, like the pandemic really said, let's meet people's needs. How do we do it? Well, we yeah. can't do it in the traditional way. So let's figure out technology and let's figure out some other ways. And let's, it was amazing to see the body of Christ just start to meet needs. And it wasn't like, well, did you sign the form first? And did you ask for approval first? And did you talk with 17 <laughs> leaders first? And did you, it was just like, let's figure this out. And it was in a structured way, but it wasn't in a paralyzing way. Yeah, I think yeah. some of the things that you're even talking about, Scott, my mind goes to, you said a few moments ago that each of these like watercraft serve a purpose, right? Like you're not going to use a kayak for the same thing that you need a yacht for. <laughs> there are two very different purposes, but they both float on the water and they both can get to the same place. Probably eventually, I can't imagine being in a kayak and doing like what a cruise ship does, you know, but I'm sure somebody's done that. I mean, that's what Guinness World Book of Records is for, right? So, but it's just made me start to think at what point then do we say, well, in our church, why do we need to commit to one Thing for everything that we do. Maybe there are certain pieces of it that are like, well, we need this piece to be a speedboat and we need this piece yes. to be more of the yacht, you know, and we need this piece to be a kayak. And um, because I think even in the business world, like there is a space for small businesses. It doesn't all have to be the large corporations right. of PepsiCo and Coca-Cola and Frito-Lay and all the things that have like dominated the markets. We need the small businesses as well. So I yeah. think, you know, finding that both and and finding the sweet spot is what the challenge is probably. And, and that's actually, I'm glad you started to bring it towards that, that part of the conversation. We in the Church of the Nazarene globally, I mean, clearly we're a, a cruise ship. I mean, to make drastic changes in an entire denomination, it takes, we literally have ways to do that. You know, every four years we get together in a general assembly and, and we have to vote and there are delegates. It takes a lot of time, by the way, uh, and a lot of effort from a lot of people to, to pull that off. And I don't lament that. I don't think that's, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, not at all. Um, when you have 2 million members around the world from 165, four or five now yeah. countries. Um, it's going to take time to make changes. It's going to take time to, to, to roll out uh, uh, some new initiative or something. However, I think one thing that we can do better is embrace within the large cruise ship. We can embrace some of those entrepreneurs. We can embrace some of those uh, people that kind of have the speedboat mentality, right? Yeah. Um, even within this huge structure, we can still say, but we want to, especially on a local level, we want to equip people to be ministering with more, uh, with more flexibility, with more liberality, with, with, um, just, Hey, see the need and meet the need and let's not bog down in exactly how it happens and what happens, you know? And, and, uh, and so I'm really wrestling with that. How can we embrace both? How can we say, Hey, 
we acknowledge that we're a part of a massive institution that's, you know, that's exciting, actually. Right. That brings certainly its, its infrastructure and, and really exciting, exciting things. But how can we embrace a lot of the just fluidity of saying, man, in this case, we need a sailboat. We need, <laughs> we need to see where the, 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 using the metaphor, where the spirit is blowing mm. and, and, and put our sails up and say, okay, didn't know this was going to happen, but now we're going to go in this direction. Dario, what comes to mind when you, when you hear me talk about that? Yeah. You know, I just had this, you know, there's some of these, these boats, they're not, I mean, I guess you could use them as cruise ships. But you know, there are some of these vessels, they may be a big boat, but then they have compartments where they could launch other boats from them, like smaller boats. Right, right. You ever saw, you ever seen one of those before? Like you have this big yacht, and within the yacht, there's a speedboat that could launch from the yacht. You know, you, when I was listening to you, you just gave me the image of, as you were saying, there is space and room sometimes for... Um, you know, for the complexity, especially when you have massive organizations with lots of members and and then you think about issues like compliance and making sure mm. that everything, you know, is done correctly. There's a need oftentimes for complexity. But I think once it is that you have or you are able to to, you know, put a boundary around where that complexity is needed. Um, where it will be appreciated and have space to launch some of these other types of boats who will be able now to move as you're suggesting. So so it brings the image of, yes, you have this complex structure, this complex um, ship, complex vessel, but what if this vessel, as a part of its complexity, hmm. has room and allowing for other vessels to be released and to be sent and to move, which doesn't need to be um, caught up or as complex as that is to be effective in what it was sent to do. So that was just the image that came to mind. Complex vessel releasing less complex ones. Yeah, and Emily, I'll hand this back to you, but just uh, to kind of wrap this part up, I think you're right, Dario. I, I think I, I let's be really practical. I mean, there's things that are coming to my mind right now. Literally, we have um, somebody who's preparing um, who's preparing a for a missions trip. And, um, you know, it's significant in her life. She's a young, young lady. Um, and just has said yes to God, but she needs to raise funds. As I talk with her district superintendent, and for those who don't know in the church, of the Nazarene, we have kind of the pastor of the pastors administratively is called the district superintendent. And he says, I want to support, but I don't feel like we as a district can, can do that right now. And, and I said, well, as, as the district office, you know, I, I understand that your budget is limited. I understand that. But really, the district is not the district office. It's, it's made up of all these churches. And churches are made up of wonderful Nazarenes and wonderful members and families that want to support this wonderful lady, you know. And so, you know, all you need to do is just say, oh, we give, we give our support. We, give, we, we advocate for her. And we just say, please support her. And then 
the rest, I mean, the people will do the work, you know? And so uh, I really believe that. And we've seen it time and time again. We've been ministering, you know, in, in this ministry for over 20 years. And, and you just see more and more people from places that you'd say, oh, I don't know if they'll come up with the money. And they are generous. They come up with the money. This district superintendent really feels like, oh, but for it to be supported, it has to come in this exact way. We need to budget it out and we can't, and we can't do that. So I guess we can't do anything. Those are kind of things that I'm just like, ugh. We need to realize the, what is the essence of this? Somebody has a call, let's support them. Let's send them out, you know? And I think we complicate matters too much. I, I think when, when a lot of what we do on the day in, day out can be sailboat, um, we, uh, we really come up against it and, and, and view it as something that's an ocean liner. Yeah, I I appreciate you bringing those things to to our attention because I think sometimes we're in systems and even just having some like metaphor vocabulary helps us to think about things in a different way. Maybe we are in a local church and you're like, oh, I've never thought about it that way before. So thank you for even bringing just some images. I think that's, you know, very... Jesus-like, could I say? <laughs> Jesus brings a lot of images to what the kingdom of heaven looks like and things that we can't see um, and brings it to a space where we can see it. So hopefully we continue to wrestle with some of those ideas and um, let the Lord continue to shape our thoughts about what he wants our local churches to be, our districts to be, our fields, our regions, our entire denomination. We are a uh, part of a wonderful structure, but that wonderful structure definitely needs to uh, continue to listen to the speedboats in the sailboats as well. So thank you. Thank you for bringing that. Natalie, I would love to know what it is that you've been thinking about. I know that you read a lot. I know that you listen a lot. So uh, what are the things that you've been uh, thinking about over the past few weeks? Well, I've been thinking about coercing. Um, and it's, I think it, it, it was, it started through my Bible study. Okay. And I continue thinking about it because an experience I had this last week. So I've been thinking about like, Forcing while presenting the gospel or like insisting to, for the people to accept Jesus, even though they reject mm -hmm. uh, that invitation. Okay. So just uh, for those that are listening, so you're saying forcing, like really almost uh, more than just inviting someone. More than inviting, like forcing, like insisting and like. Say this prayer right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, now, before you keep going, is this coming from a place where you're like, I have seen this happen? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> like all the time. And um, I, my thought before, like what I was thinking before is like, I don't agree. Like, mm. even though I've seen this like on and on and on in the church, in my local church as well, when we are doing evangelism, mm -hmm. I was like, no, this is not the way we should do this. But before talking about what I've been thinking after my Bible study, I would like to know, like, have you seen this before? Mm -hmm. What do you think about this? Because mm -hmm. you're a pastor, so. <laughs> yeah. So I think there are going to be some people that are listening to this, and I know we have some listeners in the United States, right? And in the United States, evangelism has become, first of all, for many people, non-existent. I mean, I've literally heard that 95%, recently, 95% have never presented the gospel to anyone yeah. in their entire life. You know, so like evangelism is much less than forcing someone. It's just like, we don't even do it, right? Okay. And so then when we, from that culture, 
are a part, you know, come to Latin America and come to some other places around the world where it's like, they're on fire, man. They want everyone to know the Lord, you know, and it can come off, come off as pushy, you know, and it can, what in the world? Like they just went to someone they don't even know. And they're just asking them to the one accept the Lord, you know? And, yes. <laughs> um, but I will say there have been, there have been times where even from our you know, two decades of living in Latin America and living in, in, in this region, that there have been times where I still, I still think it's gone a little, little too far. Uh, times where maybe something is offered. If you come and accept the Lord, you know, um, you can get this gift basket, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's even cringy for me to even say this, you know, it's like, Oh no, this is not good. And there have been other times where someone just the way that they're, they're telling, you know, they tell the, the gospel and they share the hope. And up to that point, I'm like, this is powerful. This is wonderful. And then they say, don't you need that in your life? And they're like, well, I'm not sure. No, you do. You do need that, you know? And it's almost like I'm insisting and I just, and you can almost tell the person is like, I'm going to say yes so that you stop, you know, mm-hmm. saying this to me. Yep, so yep. that, you know, and so I have seen that. I wouldn't say for everyone, but I have seen that happen. Dario, can you tell us a little bit about um, Caribbean culture, the things that you notice in personal evangelism? Oh, yeah. I've, I've, definitely, I've, definitely, <laughs> I've definitely seen it before. Um, Lynn, uh, mostly true because it's such a pet peeve for Lynn. <laughs> you know, she re, she refers to a lot of it just you know just simply bribery and manipulation. You know the the example you were using, um, Scott. So many different instances you may go to do like some type of community outreach, and we decide we're going to hand out um, you know food vouchers or food baskets. And it go you go into the community, you hear somebody saying something like, you know, oh, you could only get this basket if you come to church. Mm-hmm. Or this basket is for those who are willing to even listen to this message and, you know, and respond. Like, that's, that's manipulation. That's yeah. bribery, yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just not how the gospel, how the gospel functions or how the gospel or how, or how God expects us to share um, share his message. I think so. I think that there's that component, that end mm-hmm. of persons really going too far, forcing, as Natalie's saying, you know, just doing it in a more manipulative type of way, which I think is unbiblical. But then I also see the far extreme where, you know, we have become so tolerant in our culture, mm-hmm. you know, so accepting that. There are persons now who are so hesitant to even share the gospel because they're operating from this perspective of, you know, we don't want to, quote, unquote, offend or, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to push our beliefs on others. Mm-hmm. Um, when on the flip side of the story, the gospel by nature would be offensive. It gospel by nature is pushing a belief but not just any belief we believe that it is the absolute truth so for me it's, it's finding that middle ground but as Natalie saying man I have I have seen you know like you go to a, a you go to some kind of event and at the end of the event you know they say if you don't know Jesus everybody stand 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now repeat this prayer after me. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. that's not how it goes. You know, that's not how it works. So, I, I was, yeah, I was I, in I, a congregation. I've seen a fair share. <laughs> oh, Dario, I'm sorry. I was in a congregation one time where they said, if you would like more after after the sermon, you know, more information, come to the front. And people, a lot of people came to the front. The Lord was moving, right? And so um, then when they came to the front. Uh, the the preacher said, "Now pray this prayer with me," and it was the sinner's <laughs> prayer, right? And then and then and then he and then he said, "And so now that you've made this decision, I would like you to go out this these doors. We have a uh, a group that's going to be able to give you a gift and to tell you what is the decision you've just made." And I just felt like, wait, wait, <laughs> that wasn't the initial wow. invitation. You know, the initial invitation was kind of, "Would you like to know more?" And so, yeah, I, it makes me uncomfortable. So Natalie, what have yeah. what have you seen in your study of the Bible? Are are we seeing the right things, or do we need to change the way we do things? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't <laughs> what know. What do you think? Well, I was studying Luke fourteen, the, from fifteen to the twenty fourth, which is the great banquet, mm-hmm. um, and we I think pretty much everybody knows this parable. Um, and I have heard like before, some people say like. Um, like the kingdom of heaven is like a man who made a great banquet. Um, and so, and we know the people who were invited to this banquet, they started to put so many excuses. No, because I'm getting married and then no, because of this and that and that. And so then the man who created the banquet, he sent his servant and he say, and he said, go through the squares, go through the streets of the city and invite the poor, the cripple, uh, the lame and the blind. And then he was saying, and even go through the roads and force them to enter. <laughs> so my house can be full. Mm-hmm. I didn't even pay attention to the excuses. Like I was like, like really that word force was hitting me because I am a person, if I can tell how I am, I'm anti Force? Can I say it that way? Anti-force. Anti-force. <laughs> like I go to, I love to go with the flow. Like I'm peace and love brothers. <laughs> so like these kind of things. And when I see these kind of things like forcing and insisting, and, and I already said about this in evangelism, I was like, no, this is not the way. Like as you were thinking. And then that word really hit me. It was like force them to to enter to my house so my house can be full. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, God is really interested in, like, at this point that he wants us to force. Like, that was what, what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was still struggling with this parable. And um, then I went to Aswan this last week. And we had the blessing and the privilege to minister and to serve alongside a Haitian community and Haitian church. And the pastor of this church, we were supposed to go and do evangelism, but he had a friend whose children was sick. So he invited us to go to his house and pray for him. And before going to his house, he was like, you know, Tim, I've been talking pretty much every single day. I've been coming to my friend's house and I've been spending time with him, talking, laughing. And every single day that I'm with him, I'm presenting the gospel. I talk to him about Jesus and I, every single day I ask him to accept Jesus. And all the time he said, no. Um, So I'm going to find another strategy like 
I want you all to preach them. Like, I want you all to talk to him about Jesus, about what you've experienced through your faith. Um, so he was desperate. He really, he was insisting a lot. And so we were like, okay, we're going to do it. And so we did. We went to his house. We had this opportunity to, to talk about Jesus. And, and so the pastor took the word and he was like, so can you, do you want now that they came to you to accept Jesus Christ? And his friend said, no, one more time in front of everybody. He didn't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, that's okay. I was like, that's fine. We're going to pray for him and from his children and that's it. But the pastor, Mesak, didn't take that. He was like, no, there's no way you're going to say no. And inside of me, I was like, what is happening here? Like, what is he doing? Mm -hmm. um, and he was like, There's, there's no way you're saying no. Like, you, you know, this is your time. Salvation has come to your house. This team came to you just to present the gospel to you. And he was saying, like, if you're putting so many excuses, even excuses, like if you cannot go to the temple, the church can come to your house. Like there are no excuses. We are going to do everything that we have on our hands for you to be part of our church. Like we really want you to, to be saved. We really want you to accept Jesus Christ. Like he was insisting, insisting. And inside of me, I was like, what is he doing? Like his friend is going to, he will not be his friend anymore after <laughs> this. Because I was like, he's like pushing and pushing and uh, It was too, way too much for me. But then um, that man, he said like, okay, you're, you're right. Yeah. Wow. And, he, and he went to his knee, mm. he raised his hand, he started to cry. Like it, mm. we were able to see it was a genuine yes mm. to the Lord. Mm. And he accepted yes. Jesus Christ as his savior. And so his daughter that, that was here, they did the same. They went to his need with his father and every this the family all of them in the middle of the circle raising their hands accepting jesus christ as their only savior mm -hmm. i started to cry like you have no idea because i was like and i remember that study the when jesus when when this parable was saying for so my house can be full mm -hmm. um and so i understand Um, when he was saying this, it is, it is like pretty much saying like, do everything you have on your hands so my house can be full. Yeah. Keep insisting, like keep talking, keep like find the arguments, like do everything you have in your hands yes. so my house can be full. Yes. Yeah. This is so good. I'm reading in other texts, um, other versions, and the word compel is, is used instead of force. And there is something compelling about the gospel that we have lost sometimes. We just think, well, I presented it. I guess the person didn't want it, you know, and well, I preached. Oh, well, well, you know, it's, um, I wish they would have, you know, but there was something in that pastor that said, I care about you so much. Yeah. I'm not leaving this place because you know it. I know it. And to me, that's not put a gun to his head. Yeah. To me, that's to me that's saying this is the most crucial decision in our lives, and I I love you so much that I'm not going to let you, you know, leave this place or us leave this place <laughs> without you making this decision. I think for someone within relationship, by the way, yeah. 
And I think that's a key. Mm-hmm. You know, I, he's not just saying that to a, a random person, a mm-hmm. stranger. You know, they they knew each other. They had been, you know, walking this path for many weeks, months, who knows. Um, and in the trust and in the, the relationship and in the love that they had together, for him to say, I love you so much, but you have to, you know this, you have to do this. That is what brought him there. And so... You know, I like the word compelling more than force, but yeah, I think what you're saying is let's get bold. Let's get bold. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the banquet hall has to be filled. You know, <laughs> we're not going to have a party with three people. No, thank you. You know what I mean? We're going to have a party. We're going to truly do this. And so the passion of that pastor, I think, is an example to all of us. Yeah, I think it's definitely a call to, um, I've not thought about that parable in that context before. So thank you. <laughs> thank mm-hmm. you. You're, you're making me think about it right now. And exactly what Scott just said is what rings true in my mind too, is in the context of relationship, because I even think through and Scott, you've got the passage right there. I haven't opened it up to mine, but I'm pretty sure if you continue on in that parable, that there are people that come to the wedding banquet that they're not dressed in the right clothes Yep. and what happens, they get thrown out. Right. And so like, even in the midst of your story, what I hear is this pastor compelled force said, I know this is your moment, but he also is committing to saying, and I'm going to walk with you in this Mm -hmm. and you're going to have the right clothes on as well. Right? Like, because what you were saying of even all the excuses that you've put on, like those aren't excuses anymore. Like we're going to find a way for this to happen. Mm -hmm. And so like, I think that is one of the biggest pieces of the parable that sometimes we miss, right. Of like, we could force people in, but if they're not discipled into the kingdom way, Mm -hmm. they're going to get kicked out, you know? So I think, um, yeah, if we're going to take that stand and if we are compelled and the Holy spirit opens those doors for us, he's also saying, and it's not just, the sinner's prayer. It's not just the, hey, I'm surrendering to what the Lord wants to do in my life. It's the servant saying, and now we're going to go find your clothes as well. Don't just invite. Don't just bring them in. Don't just say, come be a part of the party. And then you leave them to fend for themselves. Like take the extra step, go the extra mile, go help them get the clothes that they need to truly be a piece of the kingdom, right? So man, that's that's great, Natalie. And I'm going to go back and read the parable. I'm going to ask the Lord to continue to talk to my heart about that. Um, I um, I know that we need to close this time down. I feel like this conversation we could have for about another hour and a half probably, and I'm not going to do that to our <laughs> listeners, but we are so excited that you have been a part of this time with us as Scott and Natalie have shared what they've been thinking. Um, I trust that the average person that is listening to us is also uh, hearing what the Lord is saying in their lives. And um, maybe you want to share that with us. Maybe you want to be a part of this conversation. Um, Scott, if people want to join into this specific conversation or get us thinking about something else, where can they find us? We're the Worthless Servants and we're on uh, Facebook. We're on Twitter. uh, We're on, are we on Instagram? Not yet. Not yet. We're going to be there someday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can certainly go to also uh, mesoamericagenesis.org and uh, you can find all of our episodes there. Yeah. With that, we are the Worthless Servants. I'm Emily Armstrong. I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. And I'm Dario Richards. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.